Hi, I'm Keith, Manager of Organizational and Spiritual Life with Christian Horizons. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Renew, Caring for You as You Care for Others. Last episode, we looked at our outline. Start with the hazards of care. What are some of the difficulties or some of the challenging aspects of providing care? That includes how we relate to our work. So seeing our work as a a real calling can bring with it incredible meaning, but it can also add stress or um, significance that makes it difficult to get past challenges or grief as part of that caregiving journey. Today, we continue with the hazards of care as we look at burnout, compassion, fatigue, and vicarious trauma. What are these terms and how do they impact the work that we do? The next episode and beyond, we'll be looking at self-care. What is the art of resilience? How is it that we see the world and know ourselves and relate to others in ways that help us to practice resilient care? Last episode, I left you with a few questions. I hope you had a chance to consider them. One was, what is it that brought me to this caregiving journey? So if you're a parent, it might be the the birth of your child that that threw you into this world, that threw you into um, practices of care. For others, if you're like me, it might have been an invitation from somebody um, who works in this kind of caregiving role. And everyone has their their own unique journey that can be a source of strength and encouragement, even when times get tough, to remember what first brought us into caregiving roles. Secondly, what are some of those things that help to sustain or re-energize our work? What gets us through the day? What's, What's encouraging for us, whether that's something as part of caregiving, or whether that's something outside of our caregiving role that helps to sustain and re-energize us. And then finally, what are some of those things that get in the way of sustaining our caregiving, that make it difficult, that um, at times maybe make it hard to think about going back to provide that care? How do, those, how do those challenges impact us? And we're going to spend some time thinking about that through the lens of burnout, compassion, fatigue, and vicarious trauma. Let's start with burnout. This is a term that's been used since the early 1980s, and it describes really the physical and emotional exhaustion that workers can experience when they have low job satisfaction and feel powerless or overwhelmed at work. Burnout is something that can be experienced in a number of different types of roles, not just in a caregiving role. And it it often happens when we feel like the, the work is too much for us. We've been given too much to do. There are too many other things that get in the way of doing what we love or what we find rewarding. And this can impact us whether we're a professional caregiver or whether we are caring on a personal level, because often um, parents or people who are caring personally go to another job, for instance, and may experience burnout there, and this impacts their ability to provide resilient care with the people that they love. And as a result of burnout, uh, the 
Maslow Burnout Inventory talks about three different aspects that we can experience. Things like emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment. So not feeling like we have the emotional reserve or capacity to be able to engage well with the work that we're doing. Might not feel like we can accomplish those things that we really want to accomplish or even have been asked to be, uh, have been asked to accomplish. And then depersonalization as well. This is really a crucial one. No matter what work we do, we kind of have this choice of how to engage with others in maybe retail or more transactional work, there's there's always this customer service that comes into play, right? When we're, we're interacting with other human beings that we look for that customer service. For most of us, as we're interacting with other humans, this care is called out of us in a way. We saw that even with the cab driver as I was traveling to Ethiopia as part of last week's episode that he saw his work as a, a calling. He saw his cab driving as a calling, and every opportunity to meet someone was a chance to practice care. Leo Tolstoy has this great quote in his book, Resurrection. He writes, The whole trouble lies in that people think that there are conditions excluding the necessity of love in their relations with other human beings. But such conditions do not exist. Things may be treated without love. One may chop wood, make bricks, forge iron without love. But one can no more deal with people without love than one can handle bees without care. And I'm certainly not a beekeeper, but I can only imagine if you don't treat bees well, then you're going to pay for it. In a similar way, as we're interacting with people, this kind of caring love is, is called out from us. And it demands our attention, obviously in caregiving capacity, but also in, in other work that we do as well. So we can get burnt out if we lack the emotional reserves, if we're pushed to the point where we can't treat people with care. I really think that a lot of our world today is structured not around people, but around things like profit, things like productivity. We see this in the built environment as we think about accessibility, that the world is not built for everyone equally. It's built for the people that, quote-unquote, contribute the most, that are the most, quote-unquote, productive. And we realize that creating a world in this way leaves so many people out and really so many gifts of, of people that could be engaged in our society. In a similar way, often the workplace is not structured around the people who have this sense of calling, who provide care. It's structured around what is the end result. So my hope, my prayer for you today is that in whatever work you do, that that's a workplace that really takes a sense of calling seriously, it takes the care Seriously, that's an important part of the work that's provided. Let's move on to talk about compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue is known as the cost of caring, and so it can be described as fatigue, emotional distress, or apathy 
resulting from the constant demands of caring for others. So whereas burnout can be experienced in a number of different roles, pretty much any work that you do, compassion fatigue is fairly unique to caregiving roles because there's this constant demand for that personal interaction. There's this constant demand to accompany people in their challenges and their struggles, obviously in their meaningful moments and in their gifting as well. But uh, that can, it, depending on the day, right, we can see different aspects to that. And so over time, if we're seeing more of this loss and this difficulty and this challenge, and that starts to eat away at us. Rachel Naomi Remen has this great quote as part of her Kitchen Table Wisdom series. She says, The expectation that we can be immersed in suffering and loss daily and not be touched by it is as unrealistic as expecting to be able to walk through water without getting wet. This sort of denial is no small matter. She goes on to say, The way that we deal with loss shapes our capacity to be present to life more than anything else. The way we protect ourselves from loss it might be the way in which we distance ourselves from life and from help. We burn out not because we don't care, but because we don't grieve. We burn out because we've allowed our hearts to become so filled with loss that we have no room left to care. So this speaks both to to burnout, but more specifically to compassion fatigue, that unique aspect of care that involves grief, that involves loss as we walk alongside other people. And what she's saying here is not that we need to just stop caring, not that uh, we need to avoid all loss, but that that human process of walking alongside one another and recognizing our grief and taking time um, befriending our grief and that can be a really challenging thing to do. But once we recognize those losses that we experience, it gives us a chance to heal. And as we walk alongside others and, and accompany others, and they can encourage us in the journey as well. If we have trusted confidants that we can share with, or um, if we need to seek professional help, and um, maybe it's a, a pastor or a spiritual leader that we take the time to review this grief and this loss with some of the more challenging aspects. Finally, I want to touch on vicarious trauma. I don't want to spend too much time on this. The reality is if you experience vicarious trauma, you should probably be talking with a, a professional to work through some of it. It's described as the shift in worldview that occurs in helping professionals when they work with clients who have experienced trauma. So this goes beyond that everyday kind of loss that people might experience to really significant trauma. And as we accompany people in that, we can start to feel the effects of that ourselves. And it can start to shift our worldview in a way that we might not get back if we don't pay attention to it, if we don't spend some time with it. All work shapes our view of the world, but there are certain kinds of trauma that fundamentally alter our view of reality in such a way that we can't go back. So if this is you, if you feel like this might be something that you have been experiencing, I'd encourage you to take the time to process that with somebody who can help. As I think back to when I started at Christian Horizons and started working with people with developmental disabilities, 
we took a lot of training. One of them was nonviolent crisis intervention, as it was called at the time. And this was a way of helping people to de-escalate from potentially volatile situations. It meant uh, really working to protect oneself, but also protect the person who's going through a difficult time and using, um, using techniques to help them to de-escalate. It came in really handy at the place where I worked where there were several gentlemen who had difficulty communicating in typical ways. And so if they felt upset, if they felt stressed, sometimes that would come out in behavioral ways, potentially aggressive behavior. One, one gentleman, um, if he was upset at you, and this could be for any number of reasons, he would put his hands over his ears and rock back and forth and start singing, happy birthday to you. And when he got to the part where he said, happy birthday, dear, and your name was put in there, you knew that that was trouble. <laughs> you knew that he was upset at you for some reason, and uh, he would he would act out in that time. And thankfully, we had a great team that was able to work together and protect people um, sometimes from themselves and also protect those around them too. Even just this example of happy birthday really, and it's a small one, but it it shifts the way you view happy birthday uh, through that period of time. Between the training and between working with people who express themselves in that way, it also changed the way that I view viewed my physical environment. So that home, for instance, you knew that any object could be thrown. But it went beyond that. And and when I was out in my personal life and, and not at work, I began to see my own home as a slightly more hostile place, those objects that could be used against me. Or if you're walking through a mall, you can see uh, different different things that could be used in an aggressive way. Now, is this is this bad? It would, in that situation, it was actually really helpful to have that kind of eye for things that could be used in a potentially dangerous manner. But I am really thankful that after I moved on from that role, my my view of the world has shifted back to a kinder, more gentler place in terms of my physical environment. The difference here with vicarious trauma is that it's something that shifts your view of the world fundamentally and might be difficult to get back, um, whether it's how we interact with human beings or the potential danger we see in other human beings or in our environment, whatever that might be. Take some time with that. Consider that. And just like last episode, there's a a couple of questions I want to uh, leave you with here. One is, what are some of the demands of caring in your current role? So we often think of, you know, the tasks that need to be performed. We can think of, if we're working professionally, we can think of the shift ahead of us. Or if you're a a family or a loved one, you kind of know what that day has in store, whether it's medical procedures or or whatever that needs to be done to, to help out your loved one. But sometimes we don't take those other demands that are kind of implicit and unacknowledged Sometimes we don't take those into consideration. 
Are, are we expected to lighten the mood where we work and provide some laughter? Are we expected to be a listening ear for people as they process their day or their week? Or maybe it's their experience in grief, and this is something that comes up on a regular basis with the, the death of a loved one, and we're expected to be available and attentive through that time. There are a number of emotional demands that are placed on us alongside the physical demands. And while we, we often think of the physical demands that are involved, take some time to, to consider the emotional and um, spiritual demands that are placed on us as we accompany others. And then secondly, how has your work impacted your view of the world? So I shared one example from my own experience. And there, there are many positive examples as well. As I work alongside people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, I start to see the, the way that the world can treat people who it considers different and recognize that people who are often considered um, different or marginalized can be incredible people of gifting, people to contribute to their society and to their neighborhood and to their world. And so that's been a real gift that's come as a result of this caregiving work that I've done. But then there can also be those more challenging ways that work has shifted our view of the world. So take some time with that. There's a self-assessment. It's called ProQual, um, Professional Quality of Life Self-Assessment. And you can find that at proqol.org. I'll also include a copy of it on our Renew website at www.christian-horizons.org renew. This self-assessment runs through a number of questions that help us to process where we're at in terms of burnout, compassion fatigue, or vicarious trauma. It's a good way to check in just to see where am I at? What are those reserves that I have available to me? And do I need to do some more intentional work around burnout or compassion fatigue as examples? Caregiving work is incredible to be able to accompany people through their through their life experience to be in the place where those emotional gifts that we give in terms of attentive listening uh, in terms of moments of joy and compassion are received with thanks but it's also challenging and we've explored some of those challenges today the answer though is not to stop caring it's to learn to care for others and ourselves in a better way to take our own needs into consideration as part of that equation. And so next episode, we're going to talk more about what are those practices of self-care? What is the art of resilience? And I call it an art because it's really not a blueprint. Just as grief is unique for each one of us, so these practices of self-care are unique. We need to learn what it is for us that encourages us and strengthens us and keeps us going when it comes to caring well. Thanks for joining me today. I want to leave you with a, a prayer. This is from the book of Ephesians. And pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ 
is the, the care of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. Thanks to James Palmer for lending his guitar talent to this project. You can follow him on Instagram at jamespalmernb or find his album Redwood on Spotify.